to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. We're so excited that you can be with us. We're going to be talking about what God is doing in the marketplace. And now, our host, Patrice Seguet. Welcome to the Biblical Entrepreneurship Marketplace podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Seguet. I'm here to continue my discussion with Robert Fukui. Robert, you get the record for being the person with the most reoccurrence in <laughs> one year in the Marketplace podcast. Good. It's only been a month and a half here. I, on, no. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you are, I mean, Robert, you are just good. That's just plain and simple. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm mean, just good insight. No wonder you're going to have your own podcast because uh, yeah. I know that our audience is going to want to hear you. Um, on now, I'm, I kind of I'm going to subscribe to your podcast, man. So I can, <laughs> you better you ask me to do this. I know <laughs> that's good stuff. So, Robert, part of what I want to have you come back because we want to talk now about uh, you. You have gone through biblical entrepreneurship as, a, as both as a student mm-hmm. and a certified teacher. You are mm-hmm. uh, on our board of directors. And you ha- you have a license for BE where you use it up as part of your coaching company, uh, and so your consulting operation. But you do it very uniquely, very differently. So I want to focus this session on really dealing with that because you're going to be talking about it during the MI week this year. Uh, you're going to be yeah. teaching based on the model you've kind of developed, so that our partners in the U.S. and internationally might be able to glean from that. And you also have agreed to come alongside us and really help us to um, to, uh, to teach that model throughout our network. But before we get into the specific of it, let's first step back a bit. I want to make sure our audience again understand what your company does, I-61, and so they can understand exactly um, the angle where you come from. So tell us about I-61, what exactly does it do? Yeah, so it's a consulting business, um, focuses uh, primarily on marketing, even though I do a lot of general business development, um, but a very, very marketing focus, um, a lot of it because, um, well, that's my expertise. That's why I spent 23 years in my career with, you know, Fortune 100 companies in marketing and sales. And so when I developed my consulting business, I figured, well, I might as well stick to my strengths um, and, and do marketing. The interesting thing about marketing, though, is it touches every aspect of the business. Um, so you know, when I get started, I really need to know everything about the business, as much about the business as possible. So I really know what the key, the core strengths are for them, and not just not just with the products and services, but even their customer service, their their management team, their finance team. I want to see kind of what you know what makes them so good. So I know how to position them from a branding perspective, and then how to market to the right customers. And so in doing that, especially coming from my background in Fortune 100 companies, um, you know, you have a lot of systems in place, you have a lot of the right personnel, you have departments, and and so you understand all the functions and procedures that should go into a business. Well, when I consult with small, medium-sized businesses, there's a lot of those fundamentals that aren't there. And so, especially like when you call, think about a strong customer service, customer retention strategy, where, you know, people lose as much as many customers as they gain. So then even if they're doing marketing, they're getting more customers, but their net is zero when it comes to increasing their sales volume or increasing their customer count. Um, and so a lot goes into that customer service issues, not just having customer service rep. There's a lot of, of, of resources need, that the business needs to have. 
And so when I look at that, I said, well, before we create a marketing campaign, we really need to uh, shore up the fundamentals of the business. So that's when we get into a lot of general business development. And we're areas that I can't, what I can't, what I'm not an expert in, I just bring in some other experts that I know through my network um, to help that business in that project. And, and so that's the that's the main aspect of what we do for I-61 on the consulting side. And of course, as you touched upon, I also have a training component that can do corporate training or train groups of entrepreneurs for for those that can't afford my fees. I can at least train them to do it. So in a group setting, I can at least train them in the fundamentals of business and incorporating BE as well. I love it. So, so Robert, um, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk a bit about marketing. There's often this confusion between marketing and sales. It's marketing, sales, and sales marketing. Could you clarify that? We have a marketing expert here. You, you've done this for top Fortune 100 companies. What is the distinction between marketing and sales? And, and, and are, or, or how similar are they? Yeah, they're they're connected, and in fact, that's where a lot of businesses get it wrong. They separate them too much, and sometimes there's this tension between marketing and sales because they're they're different departments and they are different functions. I mean, marketing is really the process, doing all the research and and providing the plan, the strategy, and all the resources needed for the sales team to go execute. So the sales team is really execution of the marketing process. Um, so they need to be working together, not not against each other. They need to be working together because if if marketing, you know, a lot of times what happens, you know, especially coming from my background, you know, in big corporations, a lot of times the marketing department doesn't even have touch with the customers or at least, you know, outside of focus groups, they don't really know the nitty gritty of what's going on in the, in the sales force, in, out there in the real world, dealing with customers day to day. And sometimes there's a lot of disconnects. So they create strategies that don't work. And then flip flop, a lot of times the the sales um, the sales department or sales team doesn't have has you know, false expectations or too high expectations of what the marketing department can deliver. They really need to be helping each other, and so um, so they they are separate functions, but yet they should be working as one department. So in the last company I worked with, marketing and sales team were really one department, really one division. And that's what I want to ask you: Can one person wear both hats? No, I mean. No, you have. I mean, especially once you get a company that size, you really need to have a, a, a person doing the marketing, you know, creating the strategies, uh, developing the resources to do whatever web and print, radio, whatever the case may be, and you have to have somebody or or, or persons to execute and do the sales. But, right? but so talking they, to they, most small entrepreneurs out there, how do they do that? Or so for that is usually the already a small business has. A sales team, quote unquote, it might not be a formal position, but the business owner, you know, if it's a really small business, the, the business owner is usually the salesperson, right? Just by just having to survive, you already have a sales team in place. I love that. More, more or less. But so the marketing side, that's where they go wrong is they try and do it all. And so it's like, look, you're not, if, if you're not gifted at it, you have to be honest with yourself. If you're not, you don't, you're not really gifted at it. And you don't have the time to learn marketing. Let's just call. Let's talk about social media because everybody knows social media. Every business, every small business and ministry tries to do social media on their own. Most of them, it doesn't do anything for them. So I say, hire somebody to do that. It's worth the money to hire somebody to do it right and actually get results, and then free your your time up from doing social media or whatever marketing process you're trying to do. Free you up to just go do sales. 
So even though we have to spend some money, but that investment will real results. But more importantly, it just frees you up time to go things that do the things that you're already gifted at. Right. So knowing where your gifts are and and just deciding, hey, just pay somebody to do it, whether it's employee or or contract that out. So that's how a small business can can do so, it. So you in a sense are saying it is it is wise to outsource the marketing functions and insource the, the sales function. That way you got kind of out, that that support from the outside for marketing and you can do what you do best, which is which is usually sales. Yeah, because they're already doing sales. I mean, the fact that they're in business, I know they're selling. Right. So the marketing part is usually, you know, the functions of marketing, like doing social media and doing videos and doing radio spots, writing copy, all that stuff. I mean, that's that's an expertise in which most salespeople don't have. Right. They might have knowledge of it. So I'm a good I guess I'd be a good example because I'm, you know, quote unquote marketing expert. But I contract out my social media campaigns. I'm contracting my copy, my copywriting and do my graphics. And I mean, I've never been good at graphics anyway. So I hire people to do that stuff. So I'm like, look, I, I can't, I can, I can write copy if I need to. Um, I can do social media. I know what needs to be done. But on a day-to-day level, I'd rather hire somebody that does this on day in, day out, because they're going to be better at it. They're more efficient. They're going to get done faster, and they'll get results. I love it. And I don't have to worry about it. I, love it. <laughs> I mean, I'll oversee it, but I'm not going to get involved in the nitty-gritty. I don't have that time. Now, Robert, so you you teach this whole concept of value-based pricing. And by the way, we sh- you contributed to with that in the in the BE two lesson on marketing and sales. You mm-hmm. are a major contributor on that one, and market research. You're right. a major contributor there in, in those two lessons. Um, and so you so you teach the concept of value pricing, and you've been saying for a long time that biblical entrepreneurship is underpriced, and <laughs> and and you actually have recently demonstrated that in your own program. So let's take it back a little bit. So we're going to use, and by the way, Rob will be teaching this at Nehemiah Week. For those those, those of you who are entrepreneurs um, and you want to uh, to learn about this whole idea of value-based pricing, uh, make sure you come to Nehemiah Week. By the way, before I go, I go on, Robert, if they want to know more about I-61, uh, could you tell them where to go? Yeah, my website is I61, the letter I, the number 61. So think Isaiah 61. So it's short for Isaiah 61. I61businessdevelopment.com. Awesome. Awesome. I And then from there, you can learn about Robert's seminars, workshops, classes, coaching services, and the like. And I'm sure you probably also have a some kind of newsletter you send out or something, some kind of resource that they can yeah. plug into. Yeah, I've got an e-blast that goes out. Awesome. Sure. Awesome. So... So, so Robert, for a long time, I've been saying that uh, uh, that Gunshin is underpriced, and he recently bought a license for BE, and and he's going to be sharing what he's done at Nehemiah Week, so that those teachers, partners, and licensees out there who are using biblical entrepreneurship as part of their their marketplace ministry or even as part of their profit profit center, that they can learn from what Robert has done in really demonstrating that you can run biblical entrepreneurship profitably. So, Robert, let's go back a bit. You've run biblical entrepreneurship at your local church uh, where mm-hmm. you were kind of at the mercy of, of church-based pricing. <laughs> and no then, in a way, and then you kind of now run it through your company. And tell mm-hmm. us about a bit the, the process what you from how you did it before or what you perceive was being done 
and what led you to the decision of doing it differently and how you're doing it now. Yeah, and and to be fair, even when it was uh, running through the church, I mean, the last uh, rendition of our our BE, we still we still charge about seventy five percent more than what Nehemiah charges. So we were able to prove the concept <laughs> that even in a church environment, we can charge more what BE is truly worth. And the reason and the reason why um, I came up the price that I came up with, how I came up with it, and the reason why I raised the price wasn't just to make more money, but I'm looking at if I'm if this is a business. And especially now that it is part of my business, I need to make an income, right? I'm not going to spend all this time and have other people even come speak and teach and and not be worth people's time and 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 I need to value time. And even what I'm doing up in Montana, and I've got a church that's hosting, and so I want to pay them. And so I want to and and I wanted to make it a as first rate a a business training as possible. And so not just material from BE, but I have, I have other three other books that I use. And one of them is Serve with Love by Tom Mears. I, I use that this year um, because the, the it came out just in time, <laughs> thankfully. Um, use that. And as well as I brought in other subject matter experts to come and teach on certain aspects of what we're talking about in business. And I wanted to pay them. And then I have a, a the last day, which is actually for this group in Montana. It's next Saturday. We're going to have a nice business celebra- uh, nice dinner celebration. So we're going to have a nice dinner. I'm paying for all that, um, as well as some some awards or actually some gifts for each one of the entrepreneurs. And so there's these little things that I wanted to do that really um, uh, showed and just increased the value of, of what I did. So not just the BE and the, the material that BE uses, but I also added my own things. I also added my own material and my own teaching. Some of the things I'm talking about on, on this podcast or even on, on my podcast in the future, um, I add some of my some of my expertise in marketing and, and just general business consulting. I add those things into into how we train. So, so BE is the foundation. Part. Yeah, so you took BE as a foundation, but then you added value to the process. Right. That's important to note, because I think what happens, Robert, sometimes what people do is they hear about this idea of pricing appropriately or charging or whatever, but they they don't add value to the process or they actually um, add. They don't even uh, they don't even do it at the minimum standard. Right. So 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 the, it's like the first thing is that you've got to come correct, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and even the minimum standard. I mean, even just be the way it is. It still should be. You can charge more than the the two thousand dollars that you would pay for a full cycle. Um, so for me, what I what I did was I wanted to make sure. You know, I was always asking myself, what's the outcome do you want? What's the outcome? Not just what I want. What are the outcomes I think the entrepreneur hopes to achieve? And I got to make sure I deliver that. And so sometimes. I've been very, uh, just very conscious of making sure the entrepreneurs really understand and get in depth certain pieces of of the business and the business planning to really help their business going forward. And so, like with this this group this year, they're all existing business owners. So I want to make sure, hey, what are the issues they're facing right now, and what things they need to do to fix to set them on their path for growth. And so we made sure we spent the right amount of time on those sections of the business planning or on the business topics. And so they can uh, put themselves on trajectory for for growth. And one of them is is pricing, because um, like I said on the last podcast, is that you know nine out of ten of my the clients that I've dealt with are underpriced in some areas. So that's the area that we addressed 
early on because one, they saw results right away because it wasn't about getting more customers. It was just pricing appropriately. And when they priced appropriately, well, their net increased right away, right? Just based on their existing business. So right away, they see the value in that. And then, okay. So and then the next step is the coaching process. So they already see the value and they've seen a return, not just the value just conceptually, but they've seen a tangible return just during, a, just during the course. Now, moving forward to the next step, yeah, it makes sense to be continually coached because once they have the business plan in place, that's one thing, but walking out, right? The plan never goes exactly according to plan, right? It's not a very straight line. There's always little obstacles, little bumps in the road. So you want accountability, you want um, um, counsel close to you to help you navigate those issues. So that way next year and two years, I mean, you're gonna be, that business, those businesses are gonna be just, I mean, shooting to the, shooting, shooting to the moon. I love it, I love it. So I hear training, coaching, and I tell you, man, I would love as these entrepreneurs you're training come out of your program to have them, those who need capital connect with our investors because those are the kind of entrepreneurs that we want to invest in. Yeah, with double-edged sword, though, they don't need the capital. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love it. I got business, I got business that just they paid off their debt in the I first month. I love it. Two months. Oh, my goodness. Um, they don't need capital. And tell us, um, tell us a bit about that because you have some success stories that, that people that have really experience your value-based uh, pricing model or even um, have uh, have gone through a program that has uh, realized some success in a very short order. Could you give us some examples? Oh, yeah, there's um, I got tons just because uh, every, every client I've walked in through this, they've seen immediate results because like I said, we're not, at this stage, we're not trying to get more customers. We're trying to secure the fundamentals. And it's their, right at this point, it's their financial structure and, and, and pricing is, is a key part because obviously you're not going to get any more set, any more income than when the person makes the purchase. After that, everything's subtracted, right? And so, so you got to make sure your price is appropriate because that's the stuff that's going to fund, uh, help pay your expenses and fund your future growth. And so when it comes to, you know, I've, I have business from, um, startups doing, you know, maybe $80,000 a year all the way up to, you know, like I said earlier, $100 million a year. Um, and they've, they've all benefited. And so we've had um, just one a good example would be kind of a relatively small business doing about $360,000 a year. And uh, we, we looked at their value, uh, thought that they should increase their price at minimum 15% and actually should be probably more. But, you know, sometimes you have to take baby steps with, with people. So the first baby step was increasing their prices 15% across the board. So he was very, you know, anxious about letting his customers know, hey, we got a price increase. A um, month later, he says, you know what? Nobody said anything. They all paid. <laughs> In fact, they got an additional customer on top of that. They wow. got an additional client that month. And so that first month increased their net income. So this is after paying their salaries, all expenses, all the cost of goods, increased their net income by 52% first month the next month it was even higher because that's when it that's when the prices kicked in for everybody and then plus they got the initial customer um and then they've been busier than busier than ever not just not just um profit wise but just even sales wise they've just been busier so um, it's funny how when you increase the price to what you're worth more business comes in. People are afraid that they're going to lose business, but usually the opposite occurs. And so that's a great example. So they increased their 
net income 52%, which was equivalent, which was equated to $5,000 a month. Wow. So now they're doing better than that now, but if you just took that $5,000 a month and say over the next 12 months, they're going to make an additional 60 grand in net income after everything's paid. I love it. I love it. You know, uh, I think about the scripture that says, um, those who have more will be giving to them, Matthew 25, and those who do not have, even that which they have will be taken away. There's something about valuing what you have that draws more mm-hmm. to you. Now, exactly. Robert, so uh, in terms of biblical entrepreneurship, somebody listening right now and saying, but Robert, this is a biblically-based program. Don't you want more people to have access to it? Isn't charging more making it more difficult for folks who really needed to access it? What do you say? Well, it's short-sighted because I'll be able to help more people because I'll be able to offer grants or even offer discount to people in need from the profits. Because if I'm making money, then I can afford to discount. But if I'm always discounting, and as you know, Patrice, the people that get a license or start teaching BE, and because they're not priced appropriately or because they're always discounting or whatever, they're not doing it anymore because they can't afford to. It just takes too much time and not getting enough return. At a certain level, you got to get some kind of financial reward because you got family, you got mouths to feed right at home. And so here you are. If if somebody really can't afford the you know three thousand thirty six hundred dollars that I that I charge, they shouldn't be going into business because they'll lose more money if when they do things the wrong way. And so you, put, you think about how much it costs to start a business. $3,600 to learn how to do things the right way and make money. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, this, that's nothing, right? And especially the returns I'm just talking about. I mean, this, this one guy, he got a return on his, on his money, you know, in the first month. And plus, plus more, I mean, just in net income, not just, not just increase in sales. So, so the big picture is, look, you want to be doing, if you really have a heart to train entrepreneurs, you want to be doing it for the long term, which means you have to make some financial gains. Out of the net, out of the profit, you can then start to reinvest into things. And even, you know, for, for somebody that can't afford a $3,600, you know, I would say take my one-day class because you just need to understand just some basic fundamentals about what it takes to get started in business. Maybe you shouldn't be taking the full course right now. Right. Um, if there's somebody that I really feel could really benefit and probably needs it, that I can, I would have the opportunity to probably discount because I can afford a discount at that point, right? And I won't, I won't struggle, and I won't, you know, uh, you know what, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanna, and, and, and we, have, we, have, we have a scholarship fund that we do provide for folks like that, and it is on a case by case basis because we want to make sure people are investing, and we also want to make sure that the people who are taking advantage of it truly need a hands up. Versus those mm. who just want a, a freebie or something cheap to take advantage of. Because you're right. If you can't invest in yourself, if you can't um, invest this kind of resource, you, sh- you, you most likely shouldn't be in business uh, right. because your priorities are off or it's not the right season for you. Now, that's hard yeah, stuff, great, but, it, but it, example, it's real. Yeah, and a great example is a couple of years ago, um, had a guy, he, he was going to start a business. He was, gonna, he was thinking of buying a business. You know, He spent $3,600 in our course. Well, he didn't end up buying the business, but he thanked me because he, because he had the business acumen. He knew the right things to look for, the right research. He did his own due diligence. That's right. And found out he had he uncovered some red flags in that business that he was going to purchase, and they decided not to purchase. If they would have purchased it, they would have lost 
six figures. Wow. So think about that. That $3,600 investment prevented them from making a $100,000 mistake. So, Robert, do you think we kind of do a disservice, we in the Christian community, we kind of do a disservice to entrepreneurs when we try to make things affordable or cheap and, in a sense, devalue it over time or or have no margin for 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 improvement along the way. And even sometimes ourselves get out of business because we can no longer afford to serve the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all that. <laughs> it's like a race to the bottom. Yeah, all that I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You definitely devalue yourself. You're devaluing the, the product. Um, people make judgment issues and valid judgments based on price. And so, you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you, you pay the same type of um, training in a secular environment, you know, they're paying tens of thousands of dollars. Gladly. And so, and so, and sometimes just over a weekend, I've seen trainings for, you know, just over a weekend where people are paying five grand just for a, a weekend training. And so, plus, you know, plus hotel stay and all that stuff. So I'm looking at this like, seriously, you can't pay two grand for a full course. I'm like, come on now. Wow. <laughs> um, well, Robert, for let's speak first to the entrepreneurs who are listening to us, and um, they're Christian entrepreneurs, um, and they want to uh, take their business to the next level. They're inspired by this. What advice would you give them um, as they're um, to, to walk away with? Uh, would these be existing business owners? Yeah, these existing business owners. Just do a really do a thorough audit of your own business. You know, a lot of time, well, pretty much, I would say, okay, I would say 99.9% of the time, I just want to hedge myself in case there's a 0.1% doesn't work, but 99.9% of the time that the answer to taking the next step in growth in your business is already in the business. So let's just take the, the capital piece uh, you said earlier. You know, a lot of people that's, you know, when they're struggling financially, the first thing they think of is I need to get a business loan. I need to get investors. Um, but you know, when you think about the widow and the oil and you wrote a book about this, you know, second Kings chapter four, um, the answer is usually within. So what do you have in your house? Which is what Elisha asked the widow when the widow came to the, to Elisha to ask for help because the debtor or the collectors were coming to take her kids. He just asked her what's in your house. You know, she's like a lot of Christians probably running to the pastor or prophet or something. Hey, give me a word from the Lord. What should I do? But the answer was already in what she already had. So you really need to take an, an audit and an inventory of your own business and seeing where are you not as productive or not as efficient? Where are areas that you might need to increase price? You know, where, there, where does, there's a lot of areas you can increase margin, and it's not just increasing price, but it's even just becoming more efficient with your labor. And so there's a lot of areas in every business that you can fix that will increase the profitability and the trajectory of your business. So I would say the first thing, the thing you should do at the very least is just take a full audit and inventory of your existing business. What's going on? What are the areas I need I can fix now that will improve my business? I love it. Now, Robert, they're B certified teacher, licensee partner. What advice would you give them as they seek to take their BE program to the next level? Um, well, it depends on their specific question, but, you know, when you're talking about just, you know, because I know a lot of, uh, whether it's licensee or developers or, or teachers, you know, struggle with, with filling up seats, um, I'd say is like, look, you gotta, you have to understand what BE is all about. It's not a Christian business training. It's a business training. 
I love it. So it's not a Christian business training. It's a business training. The moment you say this is a Christian business course, people automatically start thinking this is Sunday school class. Mm. Right? But it's not. But it's all about how you talk about and how you position it. Right? So this is a this is a product that's going to help your business, period. It just so happens the secret to the success of this course is that it's rooted in biblical principles. And the biblical principles doesn't make it a cutesy Sunday school thing. It means, no, these are important principles. And coming from my background, I said in the earlier podcast, is I've seen big corporations, when they do well, they're usually following biblical principles. When they stumble, they're going against biblical principles. So you just have to understand, you have that background, have that context, and to take your, your BE to the next level. Is This is a business training, period. I love it. Now you understand why if you're listening that we've had this guy in three podcasts in a row and we could continue, but we're not going to do that because he needs bandwidth for his own podcast. But if you want more, more, Robert Fukui, uh, join us this year at Nehemiah week on October the 16th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Uh, If you want more information about how to register, how to be a part of that, visit our website, nehemiahproject.org, nehemiahproject.org. I don't know about you, but the last three podcasts has been enriching and inspiring for me. Robert, thank you so much, brother. We wish you the oh, best. Thank you, Patrice. My and pleasure. We look forward to having you back again. Now, I look forward to joining your podcast. And Robert, yeah, thank you yeah. for serving on our board and thank you for being a major supporter of Nehemiah Project. No, you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website, nehemiahproject.org nehemiahproject.org my prayer for you is this may god give you the grace and favor to build that kingdom company so that one day you can hear those words well done good and faithful servant god bless you thank you for being with us today we're glad you could join us if you'd like more information or other resources please visit our website www.nehemiahproject.org. God bless.